All right, it's the Storm Tracker podcast here on canescounty.com. I'm Marcus Benjamin. He's Gio Million, and it's Virginia Tech Week. And this is a game that I consider actually a rivalry. And they won't actually play Virginia Tech again after Saturday until 2025 with the new ACC scheduling uh, realignment. So this this is a big game, of course, uh, for the Hurricanes, still trying to get their first uh, ACC win after losing to North Carolina last week. Uh, the Canes are seven-point favorites in this game, just like – they were um, they were favorites in, in the last two games. Uh, they they were favorites against North Carolina and Middle Tennessee, and we saw how those games turned out. Uh, so, just generally, Geo, how do you think this game will 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 play out on Saturday in Blacksburg? Well, I know everyone loves to talk about the road environment in Blacksburg, in Blacksburg, Virginia, but. Uh, Virginia Tech is having quite their struggles, too, this season. Uh, that offense is a little bit rocky and whatnot. Uh, I know Miami, they handled the environment pretty well when they played against Texas A&M uh, at College Station a few weeks back. But we'll, we'll see how they handle it. I think I think they'll be fine. Uh, I, I don't think Virginia Tech's the same type of team as a Texas A&M in terms of talent. But um, I think the offense, is, they're going to have a nice day. You think the offense is going to have a nice day? Oh yes, yes. See, the only re- the only way that they do have a nice day is if if it is if they can handle that pass rush, man. Because that pass rush, what I understand, is going to be coming, and uh, they have one of the best pass rushing teams in the entire country, according to Pro Football Focus. They're ranked 14th or 15th, I believe, in the nation in, in creating pressure. So Miami's going to have that issue on his hands, not only just because of that, but there are some injuries on this offensive line where they have to really kind of make sure that those gaps and voids are filled because it looks like Zion Nelson is probably likely going to miss another game and, and Justice Olawasian is also going to uh, uh, you know, miss, miss a game. I saw him in a walking boot uh, the other day when I was on campus. So, so likely, I would say those two players are going to be out, which means we're going to see a uh, Logan Sagapalu and uh, and possibly you know uh, Jonathan Dennis, maybe even uh, Inez Cooper may, may may get some playing time as well. Uh, but you're going to have to rely on your veterans, like uh, you know Jakai Clark, who also got hurt in the last game, should be okay for this one, and also uh, John Campbell and DJ Scaife. And of course, uh, Jalen Rivers to really kind of hold this offensive line down. But the question is, will they? Um, I think they will. Uh, for the most part, I like what I've seen from Miami's offensive line in terms of pass protection this season. Uh, my concerns usually hang more so on the side of of the run blocking. Uh, feel it's been a bit inconsistent this season, especially. You see the in terms of the production from the run game the last two weeks. Now, is that uh, a consequence of how Miami ran their offense last week against North Carolina? Yes, I think so. But Miami has to establish the run. Uh, they definitely do after coming off these last two games. 
Uh, just in the North Carolina game alone, Miami only averaged a yard and a half per carry on the ground through that entire game. That's that's a totally different tune compared to Miami's first three games. Yeah, uh, another another stat I want to hit you with is that Miami's still lacking in the big play category. Uh, they only had 20 plays of over uh, 20 yards uh, this season, which is you know not very good uh, considering you know we're already uh, five games in here. So uh, definitely want to see a little bit more uh, of, of an explosive offense uh, in this game and there will be opportunities to do so with, uh, you know, that blitz coming, like I mentioned. So this is a game that I really want to see Tyler Van Dyke really show that he is an NFL draft pick because the the thing about being in the NFL is that you have to be able to see what's going on before the snap. And he's got to be able to identify those blitzes coming and, and know exactly where he's going to go with his first, second and third read. So, and then maybe we'll have to see him kind of scramble around too and, and really kind of buy time, step up in the pocket to find an open receiver. So uh, Tyler Van Dyke is in for a day to really show that he deserves the bag in the NFL. And, um, I think he's going to make that happen. I think this is going to be a breakout game for, for the Hurricanes because uh, Virginia Tech, they're, you know, it's, besides that pressure category that I mentioned, uh, they rank near the bottom in any in every other statistical category. So um, I, this is an opportunity for the Hurricanes to really finally put it all together, which has been the problem for, for this team. Geo is that they just struggle to put everything together, uh, have a complete game offense, defense, and special teams. It's something that they've lacked in these first five games, and hopefully this is this is the day that it all happens for them. Yeah, I definitely agree with that with that sentiment, and I think it goes with the saying of if it's not one thing, it's another in terms of Miami's team this season. And you could even say in prior seasons, you know, uh, in one game, the past game looks great. Uh, the running game looks amazing through the first three games. Uh, the past defense of the secondary uh, looked phenomenal, phenomenal against Texas A&M. And a week later, you play against Middle Tennessee at home and you're like, wow, like what is going on? Almost 400 yards were given up off of just five plays. Like, it's just mind-boggling. You know, even Kevin Steele had to say in interviews uh, just after that game the other week, he said, you know, at not a single school that he's made a stop at, he's mentioned that that's never happened to a defense of his. And right. I, I, I could definitely believe it. You know, 400 yards off of five plays, that's a lot. That's a lot to give up. Yeah, yeah, it's a whole lot. And, and it's... It, it strikes fear every time uh, in Hurricanes fans' hearts when they see a deep ball now because uh, a lot of the times this season, uh, those have gone for touchdowns. So hopefully that doesn't happen against a lowly Virginia Tech team that is not very good on offense. Um, but, you know, we'll see. Um, who, who do you think will be the three stars at the end of the day? 
for Miami? I think the three stars at the end of the day, I think you'll continue to see this confidence that's being built between Tyler Van Dyke and Frank Ladson. I think we'll continue to see that grow into this game. Uh, I wouldn't say Frank Ladson has completely broken out yet for Miami, but you've seen it for the past two weeks. He seems to kind of be that that go-to guy for, for Tyler Van Dyke. Uh, most receptions on the team in the last two games, I think, if you add up the last two games, uh, Frank Ladson's had 14 receptions over the course of the last two games. So something definitely sticks out there. And in terms of targets, uh, only one target that has gone his way, he did not catch the ball. So that's a high catch percentage. Um, I think that's impressive. I think it goes to show that there's chemistry being built there. Obviously, we, we all like the emergence of Colby Young last week, but I think Tyler Van Dyke has a real nice connection with Frank Ladson going on right now. And I think that will continue to grow, especially in this game. Uh, and they're going to need it. They're going to need it because Virginia Tech, they're going to come. They're going to come with a pass rush. They're going to try to get home against Tyler Van Dyke. And those big plays will be there. Uh, will Miami get those one-on-one matchups that they want deep down the field? I think so. And, we got a, this is a this is a big game for Frank Latson, I would say. Uh, just him and Tyler Van Dyke on the offensive side. Now on the defensive side, my the one other player of the three I want to mention. Um, I feel like maybe his stats don't say it enough, but we watch it from the box and we've seen it during these games. Uh, Jafari Harvey, I feel like he's having his best season so far as a Miami Hurricane. I feel like he's really yeah. put it all together. Uh, may need to clean it up a bit in terms of finishing some sacks, but he is always in the backfield creating pressure, uh, gives many offensive tackles so far this season, a lot of troubles just being stabilized. I like what I see from him. And considering the issues that are coming from Virginia Tech's offense, and especially in terms of pass protection, I think this is a big game to watch out for with Jafari Harvey. Yeah, I agree. I agree totally. Um, And I think this could be also a big game for Bashard Smith um, because Bashard Smith is often the slot receiver uh, in in the offense, and he is oftentimes the receiver that is open on these these quick slants. So uh, there should be some opportunity for him to make some big plays if Virginia Tech does continue to blitz like they have this season to really uh, you know turn it up with some yak. And that's something that we really haven't seen this season. Uh, big plays by the rec- by the receivers, uh, pretty much at all, uh, which is kind of sad to say for for a Hurricanes team that's been kind of known uh, historically for really breaking out with uh, big plays from their receivers. Haven't really seen any of that this season. Brashard Smith, I think, is is going to be the player to really watch here. Uh, and maybe also Keyshawn Smith as well. I think those two, I think the Smith, the Smith guys, uh, Smith and Smith should be the, the, the law firm that takes it to the house um, at some point uh, in this game. So we'll see what happens. It, sh- it should be a fun one in Blacksburg. Um, early, early kickoff, 1230. I heard the game is sold out. And uh, more to come on canescounty.com about the game in the next upcoming days, of course. Um, So we'll move on to to recruiting as well, Gio, because 
Uh, you wrote a couple of stories uh, this week um, in regards to recruiting. And before we get into that, I do want to talk about the news that came out yesterday, which was Ruben Bain announced a top schools list. Now, we've been kind of waiting for that for, for a little while. Um, but Ruben Bain, obviously a player that Miami's been targeting uh, for a while. He was at the game last week, um, and he's, he's been to several Hurricanes games already. Um, in you know in his in his career or as a as a collegiate as a high school player so um no really big surprises for me as far as the the, the teams that he announced but who do you think is really the front runner right now for Ruben Bain um that's a great question uh based off people I had spoken to close to that recruitment before Miami played against North Carolina. I felt that, you know, Miami was still sitting good. Uh, obviously not some massive lead that maybe some Hurricanes fans would want to hope for. Uh, after that game, speaking with him and then speaking with another source afterwards uh, about what he said, um, that Auburn smoke is real. And I think some Canes fans may not like to hear that, but I want to be realistic here, too. He mentioned to me, you know, just some comments about college atmosphere and about how Auburn uh, brings that whole college experience package. So, yeah, you know, the University of Miami has a lot to offer, but sometimes when these kids go to some of these SEC environments, it's a whole different world. It really is because Miami's private institution it's, it's very different from these other colleges uh I, I will for any fans that may have never been to the campus it it really is different from other colleges so i found it interesting what he said uh i wouldn't jump the gun yet and put any type of pick in for auburn uh i haven't put any pick for reuben bain honestly at this point I still think it's a little bit uh, a little bit too premature to really kind of determine where he would be headed. But in regards to the leaders that he listed, didn't surprise me seeing Alabama in there and Florida State, uh, Auburn and Miami. Um, I think I might be missing a school or two there, but uh, those are really the main competitors there for for his recruitment. But uh, Miami's just got to keep winning. They got to keep winning and they got to keep recruiting him. It's it's not a, this slam dunk that Hurricanes fans may think it is. Yeah, absolutely. And those those other schools were uh, Louisville. Uh, not a surprise that Louisville is is on the list as he uh, visited them recently, along with his uh, teammates uh, and commit to Louisville, Stanquan Clark. Uh, Florida State was also on that list as well. Uh, with uh, Oklahoma, Alabama, Auburn, Miami, which are all the schools. Um, now, just kind of talking him, I've been, you know, we, I think we've all been kind of talking to Ruben Bain a little bit throughout this whole season. I feel like Alabama is definitely one of the top contenders um, from, from what I heard from him, that him and Nick Saban actually have a really great relationship and they talk on a weekly basis. So I don't know how many players are actually talking to Nick Saban on a weekly basis, uh, but that fact in itself makes Auburn a primetime player. 
Miami obviously is going to be right there until the end. I know this Kane staff is going to be relentless in their pursuit of Ruben Bain. But it seems, like you said, Gio, that Ruben Bain wants the complete experience. And he does uh, – he did have some comments uh, that, you know, in a story that you produced on canescounty.com that, that led us to believe that he wasn't quite feeling maybe the environment that he saw at the North Carolina game. Obviously, uh, our uh, Miami's best environment is going to be that Florida State game. I would imagine he is going to be there, considering how Florida State is also one of his tops or on his top schools list. So let, let's call it what it is, Gio. Um, Miami's environment is is subpar to, to, to every team on his list. You know, let's let's be real about that. I mean, the only one that maybe can can compete with Miami is or um or Miami can compete with is maybe Louisville, I guess. Uh, but those other environments, um, sadly, I would say, have better uh, game day environments than Miami. So if that is a, a, a contributing fat a factor for his commitment or and signing eventually then Miami's behind the eight ball with that I'm sorry to say um obviously Alabama we know the environment there Auburn Oklahoma uh you know and and even Florida State um you can argue have better environments than Miami but Miami we know I consider Miami as a fair weather town I mean I've lived here all my life Geo just like you we know how our fans are uh, yeah, <laughs> yeah you know, I wouldn't call them bandwagon fans because they're pretty active on social media, more, more so than other, um, you know, uh, schools. Um, but my, Miami has a lot of different factors that play into a, a really great environment. Um, at these home games. One, it's not their stadium. Two, it's it's far from the campus. Three, uh, the alumni base is pretty small compared to the others. And Miami, it just hasn't put a, a, a really good product on the field as uh, as of late. And, and the fans will come out if the team is consistently ranked in the top 25, they're beating unranked teams on a consistent basis, and they're competing for ACC and national championships. Once that happens, the crowd will come out. I guarantee you that. But for right now, I think Canes fans don't want to be disappointed when they go to games. And it's one thing to be disappointed in, you know, in maybe a college town like Tuscaloosa or Auburn, or Norman, where it's the best show in town. But Miami, let, let, let's be real. There's a lot, of other, a lot of other great things that you could be doing in Miami than going to a game in either the heat or the rain and then watch your team lose to a subpar team in your mind. So... I mean, ju- I mean, I just kind of rambled uh, a little bit there, Geos. But what what are your thoughts on uh No, Marcus, I'll tell you what. 
<laughs> I may get some hate for this. Uh, look, let's be honest. And I, I saw this pass by over the weekend. I was just like, wow. Uh, Nebraska fires Scott Frost, right? Just a few weeks ago. They have sold out their games, rain or shine, winning or losing, every season since 1962. Wow. That's an incredible statistic. So when people say, oh, but why doesn't this kid want to stay home or whatever? It's not exactly that they don't want to stay home or that they hate Miami. It's the factor of other colleges offer different things, and not every kid wants to stay home either. And it's a concept that not every Miami fan grasped. And my thing is, too, this has been a constant thing that's been going on. This has not just been a, a 21st century type of thing or anything like that. Uh this has been going on even since the 90s and 80s. There were South Florida kids that were even leaving at the time. It's You're not going to keep everyone, number one. It's, it's impossible. There's too much talent that's produced out of the tri-county areas to start with, or just even the state of Florida in its entirety. Number two, yeah. number two is some kids want to experience different things. Not every kid is in love with Miami either. So... People have to understand that. But at the same time, uh, it doesn't help when fans are not showing up, even if Miami's not a good team. I mean, we see this at the Miami Heat games uh, when Miami doesn't have – when the Heat don't have a great team or whatnot. Uh, I've, I've seen it's better for the Miami Dolphins. They seem to have more diehard fans, whether it's rain or shine. And, the re you know, the reason for that, though, right, is because the Dolphins have were the only team in Florida – like in the 60s, it was the only team. It's the only team where a lot of people can say, yeah, my grandfather was a, was a fan of the team. You know, um, Miami Hurricanes football, yeah, it existed since 1925, so to speak, or, or since, you know, since those days or whatnot. And but they've only been a real powerhouse since like the 80s. Uh, so, but the Dolphins, I mean, it, it's the only real fan base that you can say that shows up on a week on, on a weekly basis because they've been around for a very long time. I mean, they have, they've been around since the sixties. And like I said, you know, uh, it, it has just a stronger fan base. I know, I know people from Orlando who travel every uh, home game to the Dolphins games, you know? Yeah, so it, it's it's hard to compare uh, the Dolphins to any of our other franchises who are generally babies. I agree. I agree. I mean, it is what it is. You know, we could we could have a whole podcast about, about the fan base and how it affects recruits and attendance at games. It really does. Um, you know, sometimes I even have my speculations if if the attendance announced at the end of games is the actual attendance. I, I don't think it's exact. Yeah, but, it's the paid attendance. Yeah. Attendance. <laughs> but uh, moving on, though, recruiting, other recruiting notes. What you got, Marcus? Oh, um, I mean, uh, you know, this week we saw – 
Hakeem Williams. Um, actually, I think that, that was more, kind of one of the biggest stories. Five-star out of Stranahan High School show up to the Miami Hurricanes game. He is committed to Florida State, committed uh, about three weeks ago uh, to the Knowles, and he just, you know, kind of randomly maybe shows up at this game. Um, so now uh, everybody's kind of thinking like, oh, is there a possibility for this guy to, you know, flip from Miami, um, I don't really think it's going to happen, to be honest, but it's definitely generated some buzz, uh, you know, uh, this week uh, as far as recruits are concerned. Um, and then you, your your piece on the wide receivers also talked about uh, Tayshawn Lyons and, and Micah Mays. Who do you think is the next receiver to, to commit to Miami? Oh, well, it's a tricky situation when you really think about it. You know, I, I put a lot of receivers up that are realistically on the board right now. With Hakeem Williams, I agree with you in the essence of it, there's nothing imminent there right now. Um, you know, Miami's gauging interest a bit or whatever. We mentioned this after Hakeem had committed to Miami. And even beforehand, we said, look, you know, he's not going to commit to Miami, but Miami will continue to recruit him. Miami's trying to cover all their bases at that position. Um, it wouldn't shock me if you see Hakeem Williams maybe take an official visit to Miami before the recruiting cycle is over. It wouldn't surprise me. But uh, I think a guy, well, two guys that should be really monitored much more closely is uh, Jalen Brown and Andy Jean. I think those two Miami fans should be paying very close attention to. Uh, Miami has not stopped recruiting those guys, even though they committed to other schools. Uh, Jalen Brown was viewed as a Miami lean at one point uh, coming into the summer. Uh, LSU caught some heat. Uh, he liked their track and field program. And he kind of, you know, he just committed to the Tigers. But uh, it's, been, it's been some talks, uh, you know, that he's been listening to Miami and Miami's talking with him. So you can see what happens there. Uh, in regards to Andy Jean, you know, Anthony and Michael, the Euro twins, they've mentioned it before that. Miami hasn't stopped recruiting Andy Jean either, but more so on the two newer names on that wide receiver board, Tayshawn Lyons from California and Micah Mays from Palm Beach County at the Benjamin School. So it's a tricky situation with Micah Mays because there's no official offer out to him yet. Uh, we had to keep this visit uh, very quiet. Uh, he actually visited for the Miami North Carolina game. He was in the stands with a bunch of other recruits. Um, we got the green light afterwards. You know, we could speak about it. Uh, still no offer for Miami. So obviously no offer means he can't commit at this point. So I wouldn't mark him down as a guy that could be a potential commit until Miami does extend out that offer. It's kind of just still in limbo, still evaluating and just in the talking stage, you know, kind of like when you date someone, you know, you're just kind of talking, uh, yeah. Kind of feeling them out a bit. And then uh, you see if you extend that official offer. <laughs> yeah. But uh, <laughs> with Tayshawn Lyons, though, uh, Miami's plan is they're looking to get him down here for the Duke game that's uh, upcoming on October 22nd. Uh, he will likely be taking an official visit that weekend, along with a couple of other visitors that will be showing up uh, that we've spoken with already. Uh, it's an interesting situation with him because he's more of that late bloomer type. Uh, I wouldn't even look too much into his track and field numbers from last year. He seems much more explosive as a senior. 
And I think sometimes, you know, fans of recruiting forget this, that sometimes there's some prospects that they max out early and there's guys that are still developing. You know, I've, I've seen this with other prospects before, uh, guys similar to like a Jacoby George, you know, he developed later on. Uh, there's, there's been a ton of prospects like that over the years. And Tayshawn Lyons definitely fits that bill. Now, the thing is with him is Miami's really going to have to stave off Notre Dame and Washington, who have both been involved there for a very long time. Yeah. Uh, but it's it's definitely a positive note that they, they're going to get him down on an official visit. Yeah, that's, that's definitely uh, positive to hear because the wide receiver room um, – it, it looks bleak right now. You know, it just looks bleak with just having Ray Ray and, and Robbie Washington as your own only two uh, commits to the class right now. Uh, Jalen Brown obviously committed to LSU, so no guarantee there. No guarantee with Mike Mays committed to Wake. Uh, so Tayshawn Lyons seems like probably the likeliest uh, to maybe commit to Miami. And I, I, the smoke with other receivers doesn't seem real unless, and I saw this in your piece uh, about the receivers, is that unless there's some kind of major coaching change at Ohio State, which, you know, head coach Ryan Day possibly, you know, could be entertaining an NFL job. I mean, Carolina needs, needs a coach right now. They fired uh, Matt Rule last week, so maybe that could be a, a possibility for for day and if that happens then you would think that that would could open up the door for receiver uh receivers as well as you know other commits to to jump ship from the buckeyes but it, i think it more so depends on brian hartline the receivers coach you know where he goes or if he decides to take an oc job somewhere else because right now he's you know he's he's a he's a wide receivers coach and i don't i'm not sure if he would go and just kind of take the jump to head coach right away i would imagine he'd probably be an oc somewhere first and then maybe move on to a head coach coaching job so uh a lot to be determined but this is going to be an uh, an ongoing story as far as this wide receiver class and how it really kind of turns out because it seems like it's going to come down to the end here. And, um, but Tayshawn Lyons to me, I think is, is probably going to be the, the play for Miami. Um, if I had to guess on, on, on the next receiver committee. Yeah. At least short term right now. Um, you know, I, I mentioned in the piece, you know, Miami has been playing a very, how would I put it into better words? Uh, a long, they've been doing a long play with a wide receiver board because many of their targets are committed to other schools. Do I think Miami could flip one of them uh, towards the top piece of that article? Yeah, I, I think those are more realistic. You know, I kind of try to divide it from, you know, newer guys and more realistic and then, you know, just very long shot. Um, but, you know, that's a good thing that you bring up, Marcus, you know, about the Ohio State situation, you know, Speaking with a source close to the recruitments of Brandon Ennis and Carmel Tate, you know, I, I've seen Canes fans saying, oh, uh, what if Ryan Day goes to the NFL? He's uh, There's rumors he's entertaining the NFL jobs. Yeah, that's great. And in essence, you would automatically think that 
yeah, you know, if he leaves, uh, maybe we can get in there with Brandon Innes or something. Uh, not entirely the case. You know, Brian Hartline is, I think you could make the argument he might be the best wide receivers coach in the country considering what he's been putting out uh, out of Ohio State the last few years. And his current production in that room this season is, you know, they have two of the top five receivers uh, so far through this season uh, on their current roster. And their top receiver last year, he's been hurt most of the season. So it speaks a lot about, you know, just the development and coaching that Brian Hartline has done. And that's a huge selling point to wide receivers that are committed to Ohio State. So he, if if Ryan Day did go, we don't know who would be the next coach at Ohio State. And it may be, maybe Brian Hartline is retained just for the amount of success he's had. Maybe Brian Hartline moves on. But it's a lot of hypothetical there, and we won't even know that until the season is over. So it's, it, you know, those targets like Brandon Ennis and Cardinal Tate, that's not – I wouldn't say it's entirely realistic at this point. You know, Miami is in contact with both, but it's a long play at this point. Yeah, yeah, I definitely agree. Definitely agree with that. Uh, Lastly, man, uh, uh, back to the Virginia Tech game. How big is this game for Miami? And to really kind of get off the schneid here, man, it's three straight losses, and and with – those games they were they were in it you know they were generally in all three games i don't think miami can take another loss here man because um as we've seen with previous seasons where miami kind of takes a slide they kind of they kind of check out mentally you kind of see it on the field and i don't think miami can afford one more loss here um uh, and really hold on to the the mental state of the of the football team and you may you may even see rumors of of, of players uh transferring out after this week if uh miami loses this one so uh, miami has to find a way to win this game uh they uh, the the mistakes can happen. Uh, field goals, I think, is going to be important too. I think uh, uh, Andy Borgalis has really got to come through clutch and makes make field goals in this game because I mean, you know, uh, a couple of field goals, uh, you know, not made in the Texas A and M game maybe makes a huge difference. This field goal last week, uh, you know, obviously it was the difference in the game. What do you think is going to be the critical factor for Miami to win this game? And how important is it for the Canes to come out with a victory? The critical factor is how fast they come out of the gates entering the game. Uh, you know, the players have talked a great talk about it, you know, about we have to come out and play fast and whatnot. We have not seen that from Miami, at least within the last two games, you know coming out very flat to start the games. Uh, this was a question that I posed in the opinion article uh, that that I had after the Texas A&M game is, you know, what will define this team is have they changed their mentality from prior regimes that have coached here at Miami? You know, like you mentioned, Marcus, it seems like it's a, it's a running case of that when Miami loses a game that's very heartbreaking or, you know, a game that they feel they should have won. And let's be honest here, Miami really did give away that that Texas A&M game. They, way too many mistakes. Um, 
it seems the trend is that Miami goes on a losing streak, and this could date back to Mark Richt, Manny Diaz, Al Golden. I mean, the list goes on and on. Uh, Miami has to break that mold, and I think it's a lot to do with mentality. I think is a lot of the players are in their heads, uh, just questioning how good they really are. I think they have to really start to believe in themselves because, yeah, you know, I, I a lot of people say about you know development or. Or this and that. I agree. I agree. Development is very important. But I think at the same time, too, you have to look at the factor of many of these kids on this roster were recruited by many other top programs. There was a reason why. Yeah. Now, that reason has to be shown on the field. But have we seen it yet? No. Uh, I don't think Miami is as bad as their record shows. I think there's a lot of mental mistakes and miscues that could be cleaned up. It's just unfortunate that they're under 500 right now, but the biggest critical key piece in this game is it's coming out fast. They cannot come out flat again. Uh, you know, Miami's been playing from behind their last two games, uh, actually three. Uh, A&M was up on Miami early on too. So Miami's got to come out fast. They can't, they cannot be playing the catch up game. They, they can't. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Uh, I They definitely have to, as far as the season's concerned, they definitely have to come out and just win this game. And if they do, I think they win the next two games afterwards. I do think they come back home and win against Duke and then go on the road again to uh, Virginia and and take down Virginia. But uh, And then that takes you into the Florida State game, which, of course, anything can happen in that game. But uh, it's a critical turning point, I think, for this football team because, let's, let's face it, the Coastal is going to be a, a tough climb at this point. Uh, in, in, in the Coastal Division's last year of existence, you really needed that game against North Carolina because, in my opinion, they're the best team in the Coastal Division. And, unfortunately, you couldn't beat them, and now you have to hope that they lose two games and win out to uh, – to, to win the coastal with Clemson on the schedule, which is kind of, it's, it's almost, it seems like an insurmountable uh, task at this point. So you really just kind of want a, a, a good showing for the rest of this season. So you can get into a bowl game, hopefully win that and just take that momentum into next season. So that's why this game is so critical uh, because I think if they lose this game, they have potential to lose that Duke game, potential to maybe even lose the one Virginia on the road. They may still get up. They will get up for for Florida State, and they, they might pull that game out even if they lose the next two. But that's, that's kind of pretty much it of what you will see from the Hurricanes this season as far as, you know, uh, effort if, if they lose this game because – you know, I'm just basing this on on how the Hurricanes respond to losses in the past. And that's why I think this game is so critically important. And I do think they pull it out, though. I do think they uh, they win this game and, and they win the next two and then they get to five and three and and they just have to beat Florida State to become bowl eligible. And if they do that, who knows? Uh, they could, you know, beat possibly Georgia Tech on the road, which is going to be a tough game. Georgia Tech's playing a lot better uh, from their first couple of games. And and then you got Clemson on the road, which, you know, we'll probably just kind of chop that up as an L at this point. 
based on the way Clemson is playing. And then you finish the game up at home senior day against Pittsburgh, which I think, you know, they, they will, uh, they will uh, get up for that game uh, as well. So, so yeah, I, I think a lot will, will kind of, will, will, will be determined from, from the outcome of this game. I don't think they can take another emotional loss at this point. No, yeah, I think it would be a lot. Um, you know, just the three-game losing streak already as it is. You pile on another one, uh, guys start questioning themselves in that locker room. Uh, it goes back to what I said. I think I think these players, they have to really start believing in themselves. I think some of them doubt themselves. Uh, and I'm not, not saying that they think they're awful or anything, but they're starting to doubt themselves, saying, you know, man, am I really that good? Or are we really that good? Or are we really that bad? You know, that happens. That happens in the psyche of a lot of players when things don't go their way after an X amount of games. Um, Miami really has to find that will. They have to find that will in this game. Uh, it's definitely not going to be easy because it's on the road. You have a sold out crowd. Uh, what does play to Miami's favor is this is not you know, the Virginia Techs of past, and neither it is the Miami of the past. But yeah. but it is a winnable game for Miami. Uh, just can't come out slow. I, I think that's the biggest thing that shows out of these last three losses. You know, it's not like Miami came out, you know, firing hot as soon as those games started. You know, they took a while to settle in just between the defense and the offense, all three of those games. It's something's not clicking yet. Yeah, hopefully something clicks for them on Saturday, 12.30 kickoff in Blacksburg. That's going to be it for the Storm Tracker podcast. And make sure you follow us on, on Instagram. Um, of course, hit that subscribe button on the YouTube channel. And, of course, subscribe to canescounty.com, part of the Rivals Network.